Welcome to the Property Portfolio Podcast with Mark Stokes and Nigel Green. Every week we inspire and guide you towards success in the world of property development, mentorship and fundraising. Before we jump into today's episode, a reminder to join us at equacademy.co.uk where you can gain free access to hundreds of videos and templates to help you on your property development journey. Well, good morning and a very warm welcome to the next episode of Property Portfolio Podcast. And today we're going to be doing something slightly different. We're going to be focusing on resilience and what an incredible uh, uh, opportunity. And uh, let's look at it as an opportunity um, to actually take some time, take some stock and look at how you can be the most resilient form of yourself, whether that be in business or in personal. So I'm I'm going solo this morning. Um, Nigel's out with many of our mentees, uh, and I'm actually in self isolation. I tested positive with COVID, so uh, again, trying to be the resilient form of myself, uh, living and breathing it. So let's start with what I believe in in resilience, uh, and I think it starts with the principle that no one's coming to save us. There are no entitlements in life. Uh, I think the entitlement culture is coming uh, coming through, permeating dangerously into society. Um, you know, it starts right from the day we were born. We have to work hard to draw that first breath. And so it continues. So I, I don't believe in entitlement culture and we need to be resilient and overcome, you know, challenges and a bit of choppy water along the way. And, and let's face it, your know, life can be hard. It can throw some curveballs at us from time to time. And we do need to be aware of that. I remember back in the 90s, I was in the Territorial Army in, in the mid-90s um, to Wessex, and uh, the the old army um, improvise, adapt and overcome um, was something that was drilled into us time and time again. You know, improvise, adapt and overcome. Think about what that says. It says you're master of everything that happens around you, irrespective of the externalities. And I think Tony Robbins put it really well. He said it's not about the resources. It's more about that resourcefulness, which is incredibly deep and something that, again, I've held really, really close to me for for many years. And I think it's served Nigel and I uh, particularly well. So let's have a look at the the phrase um, resourceful, sorry, the, uh, the, the word resilience and the dictionary definition. And it's the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties, toughness, the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, you know, elasticity. Both of those tend to be from a, a reactive perspective. And I think the word resilience is best served from both a proactive and a reactive skill set. We have to be adaptable to changing externalities. And if the last 18 months have shown us that those externalities are going to be ever-changing, you know, I don't know what has. Um, with COVID, the way we live our lives, um, pressures, uh, unpredictability of government and, and political decision-making, um, we have to be in control of our own destiny and we have to challenge tradition. The old way no longer um, works in many different ways, shapes or forms. Um, Nigel and I took the decision to leave corporate life after to over 25 years uh, in 2015. And immediately we started challenging tradition. We had to work out how to control our pensions. And that led to 
you know, my passion for, for SAS pensions and our small self-administered pension scheme. So always challenging those, those traditions. And as I said, life can be tough. It's tough for us. You know, it may seem like in this world of social media that um, the swan is gliding across the water, but the reality is very different. We all have challenges. With the feet are pedaling underwater all the time. You know, there's currents there to negotiate. So we all have those challenges. And we should all be open about those issues and challenges as well. In the world of, of uh, increasing mental health, suicide rates increasing, and particularly uh, amongst young men, um, let's open out those issues. Let's collaborate. And let's look at creating shared value. And creating shared value is a key part of resilience. Um, when you can no longer just look at you in the equation, look at, look at a, an economic equation and a scenario where everybody wins. What a wonderful way that is to live. And if you can create that in your personal life, but also in your business life as well, it is a truly a fantastic place to be. And we herald that in, in our name, actually, in our very name, Equa Academy. Uh, Equa stands for equality, equitability, diversity, creating shared value. Ultimately, it's about controlling your place, your skills, and being very clear and robust of your place in whichever value system you work in. I spent over 25 years around the world in 30-odd countries um, looking at the construction industries. Um, now, generally, I was employing the construction industries, but I saw those traits in all of those countries. And that trait was, uh, if I want more, you're going to get less. And there had to be a better way. And that's what creating shared value is all about, not beating up the supply chain. You know, if you think of them, some of the most intelligent people in the construction industry are engineers. And quite often those specialist engineers sit right at the bottom of the value chain as specialist consultants uh, employed by subcontractors, beaten up and trodden on by main contractors. And I've seen that over the last 30 years. And it is getting better. It is getting better but still a real long way to go. So equitability is key. So my, my resilience had to, um, it was enforced on me really from a, a, a very young age. I was just turning a, an adult um, when uh, I went to see one of my first big football matches and that turned out to be the Hillsborough football disaster. And when you, when you see something as horrendous as that, when you see you know, children as young as 10 draw their last breath. That does leave something indelible on your soul. It, it, it absolutely has to. You know, it's, a, it, it's an awful experience. Um, and for many, we've lived with that for, for many years, many, many years, and we'll take that to, to our graves. But the, the resilience there of, of drawing deep, of you know, those, those youngsters, you know, the 37 of those children, um, were, were, were between 10 and 18, 30, 37 of those um, uh, 96 who passed away on that day. So they never had a life to live. They never had that opportunity to, to grow up uh, and live wonderfully fulfilling lives. And that was something I decided I, I had to do on their behalf and, and create that shared value to others. And I threw myself into my, my first role. It was with a, a US company. 
who, um, if anybody's worked for an American company, you'll appreciate they uh, they certainly know how to throw you in at the deep end. You know, within months, as a graduate, I was running multi-million pound uh, developments and schemes. Um, and these were in um, data centers, fiber networks, power stations, uh, areas that were highly resilient infrastructure. There's that word again, resilience. Simply, the lights could not go out. There was no option for failure here. When you've got a data center and you've got credit card companies off the back of that, financial institutions, banks, um, quite simply, the lights cannot go out. Um, So we spent a lot of time looking at how our infrastructure, how our habits um, could be as resilient as possible. And as we're looking at root cause analysis and things, you know, identifying how things can can improve, we noticed a consistent factor. And that consistent factor was people. And I think you find that in the airline industry, in the analysis of of, uh, airline incidents, quite often, it's, it's human error that is at the, the cause of this. So we worked a lot with personality behavior, working as teams, a very open culture um, to make sure that not only individuals were resilient, but teams were resilient and the system and process was resilient. Um, so as a corporate troubleshooter, I, I spent 20 odd years as a, a corporate troubleshooter, um, looking at an incredible array of, of issues and aspects in our developments. And that could be, um, sadly, loss of life, uh, loss of finances, loss of property, many different aspects. But when you go through that, and you understand where things have gone wrong and how you can correct them. It gives you with a fantastic ability um, to simulate and anticipate, to create that prevention um, and to ensure that you, you drill down onto those lessons learned. You store those lessons learned. You keep them as a reference point. And that's really important in life as well. Being comfortable with being uncomfortable um, can be tough, you know, throwing yourself out of your comfort area. But that's the only way we're going to improve. And we have to improve. The old saying, do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. Well, actually, it's not true. It's even worse than that. If you do what you've always done, you'll continue to get less and less because the externalities of the world are changing all the time. And you're becoming less, less and less relevant at each and every stage. So being comfortable with being uncomfortable can be tough, but you need a reference point, you need a plan, you need a target. And that's key in having a clear vision, having that true grit and determination to hit your goal. And it puts your overall plan uh, into context and it puts your pain into context as well, because there will be some choppy water. You will feel some pain along the way. You know, expect that. Uh, This really came into uh, fruition for me uh, in my 30s when I took up uh, ultramarathon running. It started with doing a few Ironman races, and then I got into 50 and then 100-mile single-stage one-day races, trail running, um, and culminated for me in uh, several hundred-milers and then the the Marathon de Saab across the Sahara. And what I learned in in all of those experiences, there are two types of pain. There are the pain that's inconvenient 
um, along the way. And that could be toenails falling off and chafing and blisters. Not pleasant, but it's not going to take you out. And then there's a second type of pain, which you need to be aware of, which could be dehydration, hypothermia, heat stroke, um, those type of, of elements there. So it's dissecting which are the pain that is just mildly inconvenient along the way and which are the ones that really need addressing, otherwise they will take you out. But ultramarathon running, it took me um, to some some depths. I, I did it to understand um, how close I, to investigate how deep my reserve tank was, to be honest. When you've been running for 17, 18, 19 hours nonstop, and uh, your whole body just wants to curl up and have a sleep under a hedge, there's something that triggers in your mind. You, you have that goal, that objective you've worked so hard for. You're putting the pain into context. And I, I put this into a, a number of steps. And I think these steps are um, just as relevant in life goals as they are to an ultra-endurance event. So here you go. Grab a pen and scribble these down. So number one, and prepare and have great habits. You know, prior planning and preparation prevents piss poor performance, as the army say. That preparation and cementing those with fantastic habits are incredibly important. Number two, determination, focus, and desire for self-improvement. Always looking for that. I think David Brailsford of Sky Team said years ago before controversy, you know, it's that if we can improve 0.1% every single day, will keep ahead of everybody else. Number three, you need fuel. Your body needs fuel. It needs mental fuel. It needs physical fuel for the body and for the mind. So fuel it with positivity and with the right type of nourishment. Number four, you need a support crew. I don't believe anybody's self-made. I think everybody needs a team to one extent or another. So you need that support crew around you. However, directly or indirectly, the influence, we all do need that additional support crew. Number five, you need the right equipment for the job. And that might include, you know, a torch to illuminate the path. You know, that path is going to fall into darkness because you're, you're going to be running through the night. Um, you're going to be falling into, uh, um, into challenging periods, mentally challenging periods along the way, as well as physically. And it will come to you from time to time. So you need that torch to illuminate the path ahead. You need a map and a compass to navigate your route. Well, of course, you need to understand what the destination is as well. But that map and the compass will enable you to, to take the right terrain. And sometimes the right route isn't the shortest route. You know, keep to the high ground, never lose altitude. You know, follow the contours, all these aspects of orienteering. And then number seven, visualization of your end goal. What actually is your finished goal? What's your end goal? Picture it, cherish it. Don't be afraid to evolve it along the way either. You know, it changes. It always does. So what does your finishing line look like? I can tell you for my finishing line, for many of my ultramarathon runs, um, it was two poles in the middle of a field and a guy with a hexi stove and, uh, you know, getting a brew on. And sitting there at three or four in the morning as I'd just run 20-odd hours solid through the mountains, um, it was that quiet contemplation of I did it, I achieved it, I set out to do what I wanted. 
Now, in this day of social media, the adulation, the crossing the finishing line in front of the Mall and the London Marathon, you know, we all celebrate in different ways. But when you have truly personal goals, they don't need to be shared with everybody else. It's nice if you can, that's lovely. But actually, just take time to reflect. And that inner resilience of knowing that you are enough, you can achieve absolutely anything you set your mind to. When I set out to run 100 miles in 24 hours, I started with the first step. I started with running that first one kilometer, that first 5K, the first 10K, and gradually built it up over time. So what does your finishing line look like? Or as Nigel Green always says, what does great look like to you? That's a great reference point. I know from improving my resilience over the years, one thing that's been incredibly important for me is to surround myself with great people. Um, People that don't bring you down, but people that elevate you. Um, They inspire you. You always want to be the smart. You don't, don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You always surround yourself with people you can learn from, um, who inspire you, who challenge your thought process. And that's what Nigel and I do all the time. We're always challenging each other. Is there another way? How can we improve? You know, some of the hardest lessons we learn are around people. You know, the people are they the right people around us for us? Will they get us closer to where we want to go? You know, that, that phrase um, by uh, Mr. Williams, you know, does it make my car go faster? Great, great phrase. And of course, I'll always be thankful for, I'll just call him Colin. I won't reveal his surname, but he gave me the advice many years ago, Mark, no wankers. And there's never a truer word said. I don't swear very often, but, you know, no wankers really, it cuts through all elements um, and everybody understands. You don't want them in your life. Okay, if they don't contribute, then, you know, I have a very low level of tolerance for them. And that's about increasing your resilience, knowing your value and knowing your point of reference and who you are serving. You're looking around, looking at your family, understanding exactly what your raison d'etre is every single day. Now, we all want to um, channel our learnings. We all want to learn and improve and spring forward to be better tomorrow than we were yesterday. You know, that's, that's what drives many of us. But those channeled learnings need to be captured. You need to put them in a hopper. We need to use that feedback as a great source um, to, to be better tomorrow and increase that, uh, those improvements. And we do that a number of ways. Um, you know we have our Equa IDA. That's in version 60. And that's exactly what that does. Every time we get some learning, then we'll put it into the ECRA IDA. We have our fast feedback loops. We have our root cause analysis. We have our risk register. So all of these elements, whenever we learn something, and sometimes things don't go according to plan, um, then we're always improving, but we're always registering and locking it into an enhanced system. Part of my role on a day-to-day basis is raising private capital, and I work closely with with mentees to help them raise all the private finance and capital they require to fulfil their strategy. Over the last five years, we've raised about 25, 26 million of private investor capital. 
Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm always intrigued and engaged with investor conversations. I, I love them. Um, absolutely fascinating. You know, why wouldn't you be in, engaged and embraced with somebody who's been successful in life, who has some funds to invest or has something to contribute um, to society? And I always like these questions, the questions that are asked. And I've been asked a lot of questions over the years, but I certainly am not complacent. I haven't heard all of the questions that, that can be asked. And it's wonderful when somebody asks me a question that I don't know the answer to, because that it further increases my armory and I get better for tomorrow. And to be able to say, Do you know, I've never been asked that question before. That is a cracking question. I'll take that back to the board and I'll come straight back to you tomorrow. Yeah, that's a great way of learning. And in fact, some of the ways we've taken counsel with our investors over the years, you know, some of our investors are hedge fund managers, for instance. They're, they're professional investors. They've run businesses. They've sold international businesses. Um, now, if you can actually take their suggestions, take their observations, put them into your model, show them how their intervention has directly positively impacted your business, they feel part of that business. They feel warmed to it. And you, of course, get incrementally better each day. So we take our counsel from, Nigel and I take our counsel from a whole wider range of, uh, uh, of, of parties. I've mentioned our investors. So they're always giving us great feedback, how they would like information presented, how things are going but we've also run international businesses. So we've worked with a lot of great people over the years. We've been non-executive directors for about 14 years now um, across numerous businesses, numerous sectors. And that gives you the ability to look at different scenarios, different challenges across different sectors. Um, and that mentoring that we've been doing with people in business and property for 23 years, 1998 was when we started doing mentoring. So we've been at this a long time. Um, there's many things that we've seen. Again, we're not complacent. There are different scenarios come up all the time. But again, we can challenge tradition. We've seen how different people have overcome challenges and got them and their family to a better place. We've been involved with startups. We've reinvented businesses, restructured businesses, and I, I can assure you that's certainly not easy, and it comes with uh, some challenges and some of the things uh, many people are not prepared to do, you know, lots of restructuring and redundancies, um, mergers and acquisitions as well. And to be able to do that, to raise, to those, raise your game to that level, we've needed great mentors over the years. Uh, one of my first mentors was uh, a guy called David McCourt, um, I, the American company I first started with was a, a joint venture called McCourt Kiwit. And David McCourt, who's, who's now a, a celebrated billionaire and, and author, um, David was a fantastic mentor to me. I didn't see him many times, but I was responsible for huge parts of his business. And he set the culture, the culture, the responsibility, the dynamism of the organization. Uh, and that was just a phenomenal learning experience for me in 1992, 1993. Um, as a troubleshooter, I've seen things go wrong, why they've gone wrong and how to uh, improvise and, and how to correct them. 
And Nigel and I, we also challenge each other, as I said, you know, use your your joint venture partners, your business partners. Um, we invest in a lot of businesses like Cornerstone Place and uh, your QS company and the Property Finance Collective. You know, we sit on the board of these organizations. They're wonderful organizations driven by fantastic people who are just exceptional at their um their, their skills in their particular business sector. And that's a wonderful capture of counsel. And finally, to become as resilient as you possibly can be, I believe humility is one of the greatest skills you need in business, always enhancing and evolving. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I think that frames it wonderfully. Humility is understanding that you haven't got the perfect solution. The perfect solution doesn't exist. Externalities are changing all the time. Your business environments are changing. So we need to remain humble. If you're humble, you're not complacent, you're tactile, you're agile, you're tenacious. So humility is massively important. And if you can create that creation of shared value at the heart of your business, you can't fail to impact the lives of others positively and create that enduring business, that resilient business and organization. And if you can create resilient businesses and organizations, that will permeate into your life as well, your home life, your returns, your tax efficiency, everything will will improve. So there's some thoughts and an inspiration for a, a Wednesday morning um, beautiful day here in Surrey and to talk about resilience, how impactful you can be and some of the lessons that I've learned sometimes the hard way over the years, over, over the last 30 years. So go out there, be highly resilient, be impactful and create shared value for others. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Property Portfolio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode and that it inspired you on the next leg of your journey. If you've got any questions or comments, why not reach out to us at our Facebook page, Equa Academy. Also, don't forget to register for free access to hundreds of property development videos and templates over at equaacademy.co.uk and we'll see you in next week's episode. Thank you.